Hi there. Welcome to the 13th episode of Stories That Made Us, where we continue our journey across cultures to bring you the stories of our origin and the creation of the world. This episode is about the tale of the Chukchi. They are the Paleo-Asiatic people of northeastern Siberia. They inhabit the Chukchi Peninsula and the shores of the Chukchi Sea and the Bering Sea regions of the Arctic Ocean. They are closely related to the Inuit and the Yupik just across the Bering Straits of North America. In fact, recent studies suggest that they are the closest relatives of the indigenous peoples of the Americas. Their livelihood has traditionally revolved around reindeer herding, hunting and fishing. Their story is an interesting tale of creation by defecation and urination, which is how the raven, their creator shaman, creates land and all the features upon it. The Chukchi have a shamanistic religion and believe that both animate and inanimate objects possess spirits of their own. In this tale, the raven is depicted as the first shaman who brings forth creation in our world. Now without further ado, let's begin with their story of our origin. In the beginning, the world was nothing but water. In this world, there was a tiny space where the raven named Kurkil, the first self-created being, lived with his wife. This tiny and cramped space was the bare minimum required to sustain their needs. There were no people and no other animals there. The world was barren and lifeless as far as they could see. There were no reindeers, walruses, whales, seals or even fish of any kind. This is how the world had existed for a very long time. By and by, the wife got tired of having nothing to do. Indeed, there was no joy in living like this in their confined space. Life was monotonous and dull. Dear Kurkil, she asked her husband one day, Why don't you make a proper earth? Why can there be no life around us? Kurkil the raven did not wish to bother with creation for he was quite satisfied with the way things were. He simply shrugged and said, I can't, my dearest. I cannot make the world and the creatures you so desire. His wife, however, was having none of it. She did not believe her husband and continued to pester him. But life on this world is dull. There is nothing to do and loneliness governs every moment of our existence. It is unpleasant and a terrible way to live. Please do create the earth and make living creatures of many kinds. Pray, bring some joy in our life. Gurkil refused to yield to his wife's request, no matter how much and how often she asked. He kept on insisting that there was no way he could grant her wish, that he was unable to create what she asked of him. Finally, the annoyed wife gave up and said, Well, dear, if you are not going to do anything about creation, 
I shall try to make my own companions. The raven just replied non-committally, We will see. Frustrated, the wife huffed and remarked, I will go to sleep and dream of creation. Hopefully the spirits will give me some insight into how to make life upon earth. The irritated raven just smirked and said mockingly, Good, you should get some sleep. I will stay awake and watch over you. Let me also see how you dream of creation and make companions that you desire. The annoyed wife grunted and went to bed. Soon enough she was asleep and Kurkil stayed awake, keeping a passing eye on her. Little did the husband and wife know that the spirits had granted the wife's wish. They had surreptitiously given her the means to dream creation into life. Now Kurkil's wife, much like the bird himself, had the form of a raven. As Kurkil kept an eye on his wife, he happened to look at her from the right, and she looked just the way she always did. He then looked at her from the left, and lo and behold, she looked different. Miraculously, her feet had ten toes, and the hands had ten fingers. Slowly but surely, the wife was metamorphizing into a human. Kirkhill checked his own feet, but they were still the same as that of a raven's talons that we see today. He tried to change his own form, but could not succeed. Exasperated, the poor bird exclaimed, It seems I cannot change my shape while my wife transforms into this new form. How is this possible? When he looked at his wife again, she had shed her feathers and hairs grew on her head. She looked like a human woman. Kirkhill, awed and afraid, tried to change his body as well. He tried to pluck his feathers, but alas, try as he might, there was no change to his appearance. He remained a raven as his wife transmogrified into a beautiful woman. When he looked at her again afterward, Kurkil noticed a bump in her abdomen. In no time, the lump grew bigger and bigger until in her sleep, she birthed two babies. Kirkil, afraid and aghast, turned his face away. Gone was his arrogance and vanity. He could not fathom the idea of new life emerging from his wife. Try as he might, he could neither change his form nor give birth himself. Alas, afraid to look on any more, he left the tiny space they called home to clear his mind. He was jealous of his wife's ability to procreate. After the bird calmed down, he returned home and checked on his wife again. This time, to his utter amazement, he saw her smiling as she cuddled and breastfed the twins. Her eyes twinkled in happiness, for she was granted the one thing she asked for the most. She was a mother.
the creator of new life. Now the twins, like their mother, had the bodies of a human. Kirkil was the only one who looked like a raven. As the boys grew up, they mocked and made fun of the raven. Mother, mother, what is that thing with talons and beak? They would ask. It is your father, she would reply. Be polite to him, for not only is he your father, but is also your elder. But the children would pay no attention to her words. They simply laughed off their mother's reprimands and said, Oh, our father is a bird. Indeed, why not? They ridiculed. We need a flying father to amuse us and take us places. They pestered him again and again, and when Kirkhill, unable to take any more, flew away cawing. The twins laughed at the strange and funny voice. They chuckled and mocked him all the time. No matter how much the mother chastised her kids, they would unceasingly irritate and ridicule their father. Gurkil soon realized that the only way to save his face in front of his children would be to participate in creation. This is how he intended to show his worth to his family. He thus said to his wife, My dear, now that you have created offsprings, I guess it is time for me to find ways to create the earth. They, after all, need a place to stay and prosper. The sooner they leave our abode, the better it is for me. And so I go in search of land. I will be back only if I succeed. If I do not succeed in this endeavor, I will not return. Now if that were to happen, tell the children that I've drowned in the water, searching for land. Tell them not to come looking after me. Saying this, the emotional raven flew away and sought dry land. At the very beginning of his quest, Kurkil flew to the benevolent ones. They, after all, were the powerful spirits of nature. When he reached their abode high in the sky, he first asked the dawn for advice, but none was forthcoming. He then asked sunset, evening, midday and zenith, but much like dawn, they could not guide the bird to land. At last, the distraught raven flew to the place where the earth meets the sky, hoping to find some answers there. Now in this place, much to his surprise, he saw a tent. Curious, Kirkil peeped inside the tent. In there, he saw many bare backs of men. It seemed that within this tent were raucous men, causing a terrible cacophony. The bird jumped away in shock. He was unsettled and frightened, for this was the last thing he had expected. He flew away as quickly as possible. He had never seen so many men and was afraid. Who are these people? He said to himself. What are they doing here? After the raven had collected himself, 
he returned to observe these men. I have not had any success in finding land, he said. Perhaps these men might be able to help. After a while, one of the men came out of the tent and said to the others, I thought I heard someone passing by. Who could it be? Who would come here? The raven, who by now had recovered from the initial shock, boldly stepped forward and said, You are right. It is I, Kurkil, the self-created raven. And who may you be? The man then replied, We are created from the dust that blew off when the sky first met the earth. We are the seeds of mankind and are tasked to multiply and become the forefathers of all peoples upon earth. The raven listened intently as the man continued, But there is no earth. All men are thus lodged here, waiting for land to emerge so that we may fulfill our destiny. He then looked at the raven longingly and asked, Say, you are the self-created one. Could you perchance create an earth for us? That indeed is fortuitous, replied Kurkil. I have been looking to create earth as well. I have travelled far and wide and have met with the benevolent one but have had no success. Let us help one another and create a world for men, Kirkil proposed. Let us work on creating the world together. The man readily agreed. Then the raven asked the man to hold him tight and they flew off together. They observed the endless water from high above for a very long time. Afterward, the man asked the raven, How do you propose to create the earth? As Kirkil pondered upon this, he suddenly defecated. Miraculously, every piece of excrement that fell upon the water grew into an island. The excited raven now knew how to create land. Soon enough, there was plenty of dry land upon earth. Pleased with himself, Kirkil turned to the man and said, Surely this is enough, is it not? The man shook his head and said, No, dear raven, it is still not sufficient. There has to be fresh water to drink. Moreover, the land is too even. There must be mountains and streams, cliffs and deserts. The raven agreed that the world needed much work. He thus flew over the land again, and this time passed water. Now where the drops of water fell, there grew lakes. Jets of water turned to rivers and streams. Afterward, Kirkil defecated out mountains and hills. He made the whole landscape the way we see it today. He then flew the man over this earth and showed him all the wonders. What more could this world need? He asked. The man promptly replied, Surely we need some light, for the world is dark, and there is no light to help us go about our ways.
The raven thought about this and eventually came up with a plan. He flew higher and higher and into the abode of the benevolent ones. There, he called upon the helper birds. When the birds all gathered around him, he said, The world needs light. I believe that the light of the sun should suffice. Who among you will be willing to bring sunlight to earth? The eagle volunteered first. Kirkhill then instructed the eagle, You are to go east. Once there, peck at the sky vault and make a hole in that dark dome. Make it so that the rays of the sun may come forth and brighten the earth. The eagle flew to the east as directed. The sound of his magnificent wings flapping up and down echoed through the world as the mighty bird flew skyward and reached the sky vault. He pecked at the vault for a long time, but with little success. The poor bird returned back exhausted, with drooping wings and a beak crooked from all that pecking he did at the sky vault. This is why the eagle's beak is crooked even today. The bird had failed. The puffin was next to volunteer, but it too returned without success. The seagulls, cormorants, sandpipers, geese and ducks all tried but in vain. Kirkil the raven was despondent. He had run out of ideas on how to bring light to the world. It was then that the little snow bunting volunteered itself for the task. The raven and indeed all the larger birds were surprised by this development. They wondered how the little bird would succeed when the larger and fiercer birds had failed. However, there was no harm in trying for no one else had succeeded anyway. So off went the snow bunting with goodwill and wishes of all birds. For a long time, there was no word or sign of the little bird. As days turned to months, the raven grew concerned. He worried that not only did the bunting fail, but it also perished in the attempt. All were sad and mourned the loss of the beautiful tiny bird. One day nevertheless, much to his surprise and joy, the raven Kurkil noticed a crimson speck in the east. Slowly but surely, the little spot grew larger and larger. It looked much like there was blood spilling across the dark vault of the sky. Soon enough, the mountains, plains, lakes, rivers, and the rocky crags all were bathed in the crimson light of the rising sun. As the hole became larger, the blood-red sheen gave way to a fiery yellow luminescence, igniting the world like a glowing lamp. This is how sunlight came to our world. When the little snow bunting returned from its trip, none of the birds could recognize it. 
The snow bunting's feathers were stained with its own blood, and its beak had been ground to almost nothing. All that pecking at the sky vault had taken a toll on the little bird's body. This is why the snow bunting has a very tiny beak and crimson spots on its breast feathers. This is also how this magnificent bird brought sunlight to the earth. Kirkhill then returned to the man and asked, Is this world now sufficient? Can you live, multiply and prosper here? The man thanked the raven for sunlight and thought about the question for a while. He then replied that it wasn't. We have land now, dear Kirkhill. We have light and warmth as well. We have fresh water and streams too. But what should we eat to sustain ourselves? Kirkhill took to the sky as he thought about this. As he flew, he searched for ways to fill the world with plants and animals. Now as the raven was meandering in the sky, he found some trees in another corner of the world. Of the many trees he found in there, the most notable were the birch, pine, poplar, aspen, willow and oak. The raven built himself an axe and began chopping bits of the barks of these trees. These chips of barks fell in the stream of water and were carried to the deep sea. When these chips reached the deeper waters, they were magically transformed into animals. From the pine chips came the walrus. The oak became seals. Similarly, the stone pine turned to the polar bears and the black birch changed to the gigantic whales. By and by, as the raven chopped more and more trees, there came animals, fish and reptiles of all kinds. This is how all living beings were created upon the earth. Now from those chips that did not fall into the stream, sprung forth wild bushes and herbs. The man was happy, for now he had animals to hunt, and failing that, there were enough berries and fruits to sate his hunger. Kirkhill then said to the man again, Now you have food. Surely the world is finally ready for you to inhabit and prosper. By this time, the raven's own children had become men. They came upon this land and built houses, hunted game and were very well off. Now back then, mankind consisted of only men, for no women had been created yet. This was a problem for humanity, as mankind had to find a way to procreate and multiply. Inevitably, all men entreated the raven to do something about women. Now while the raven was pondering how to solve this problem, there appeared a small spider woman. She descended from the sky above on a very slender thread. Kirkhill, surprised and amazed, asked her who she was. The spider calmly replied, 
I am Kurgonaut, the Spider Woman. I come from heaven, for I looked at the world from above and wondered how the people would live. This world has only males. These men are unable to procreate and give birth. You need women to be wives. You need women to be mothers. This is why I have come to this world. The raven looked at her suspiciously and remarked coyly, All that is well and good, dear Kurganoth, but you are too small to help the people in any way. Kurganoth just smiled. Then all witnessed her abdomen enlarge. She looked to be pregnant. In no time, she birthed four daughters. They grew up quickly and became well-endowed women. Now the man who flew with the raven saw these women and said, What are these beings? They look so like me and yet are so different. I feel like I should have one of them as a companion. I feel strangely attracted to these beings. Now I live alone and in a dull and lonely existence. I would like to take one of them for a companion. The raven cocked his head and asked the man, Are you sure? For if you are to take one of them, you have to ensure her prosperity. It would be your duty to make certain that she does not starve or be wanting for the necessities of life. It would be your responsibility to take care of her. Of course, replied the man. Why should this beautiful being ever starve? I have plenty of food. I will hunt and feed her abundantly. She will never know hunger at all. Thus, with the blessing of Kurkil and Kurganot, he took one of the women with him to his abode. Similarly, the raven's sons also took two women. The last woman was entrusted to the most eligible of all the remaining men. The one who pledged to take care of her and ensure that she does not starve. This is how coupling and marriage began in this world. Now after the deserving men took away the women, the raven visited his friend, the very man who flew with him and helped create the world. He and his wife now lived in a tent in the tundra. Kirkil made a hole in their tent cover and peeped inside to see how they were. To his surprise, the raven found that they slept in the opposite corners of the bedroom. Oh, that is bad, Kirkil cackled. How are they to procreate if they live and sleep separately? He said to himself. The bird then softly called. The man awoke when he heard this and got up from his bed. Come in, dear raven. He said, What brings you here? The raven entered the hut and spoke to the man and woman of love and procreation. He told them of copulation and spoke about how to have children.
This wisdom the raven then imparted upon all mankind. Since then, humanity has prospered and multiplied to this day. That is the end of this episode on the Chukchi. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a feedback. We are quite active on Twitter and Instagram, so why not connect with us by using the handle at stories thtmdeus for both Twitter and Instagram. You may also email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com. I'll see you again next week. Until then, goodbye.